Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Lacrosse Edition for the spring of 2023. My name is Joe Marcellina. Joining me, as always, when we talk about lacrosse is Dairyfield AD and boys head coach Chris Hetler. Chris, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Joe. We're uh, we're up until the other day. We were looking. The turf was cleared, <laughs> and we were ready to go. And uh, but uh, you know, I, I was joking with everybody. We got together for our coaches' meeting last night, and said, you know, it may may look like winter right now, but we're all going to be complaining about how hot it is in a month. So that's true. Uh, yeah. yeah, you get all four seasons. That's the best part about lacrosse season. You get all four seasons wrapped <laughs> into one. All yeah, all four. The only thing we don't get is uh, we don't get the foliage uh, during during the spring. Or we get it turning green. We don't get the the leaf peeping. Right. Um, yeah. Just. Uh, just. Yeah. R- kind of a kick there. That. That. Two days after the. Uh, the high school winter season technically ends, uh, we just get dumped on. Um, but I feel like you know I feel like this happens more often than not lately. Like, we get through most of winter okay, and then it's like March is here, and, and Mother Nature just says, "Ah, no, I'm, I'm just kidding." Right we're, when we're, we're ready. Done. Right when we're ready to turn the page. Yeah. You know what? What, what do we need those? It's, what do we need those fifty and sixty degree days in January and February? Right, exactly. <laughs> I, let's let's flip those somehow. <laughs> but, but we'll be fine. We'll be out there playing soon. It'll yeah, be good. Yeah. Um. I hopefully that's the last of uh, any any of the big snowstorms too. Um. All right. Well, starting uh. Starting next week and for most weeks this season, we will be recording the podcast on Wednesdays and posting it at nh-highschoolsports.com on Thursday mornings. You can listen to it there or wherever you listen to podcasts, which now includes, and I don't know if I, I mentioned this when we did our, our uh, earlier podcast uh, this year, uh, you can now listen to the Ninth State Sports Show on Spotify and Odyssey. Uh, you just go on and search Ninth State Sports Show and not only can you listen to current episodes, you can go back and listen to any episode from the entire time we've done this for lacrosse, football, field hockey. There might even be a couple basketball ones in there from, from years and years ago. So, um, you know, you can go back to when, when did we start? I think 2017 for lacrosse. Thanks. and. And yeah, we were doing some before that. We were doing uh, we were doing some one offs. I came to visit you a few right, times. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so people can go back and listen to how awkward we probably sound uh, in the early days uh, when there were a lot of uh, a lot of bugs to work out of this. <laughs> uh, you can also follow us uh, on t- uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at at NHHS Sports. And as always, you can send feedback or questions there or by sending an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Now, let me take a moment to tell you about our sponsor. The Ninth State Sports Show is proudly sponsored by Prolax Customs. Located in Bedford, Prolax Customs wants to make your stick as unique as the way you play the game. It is the place to go in southern New Hampshire for custom dyed lacrosse heads or guys, if you need a stick stringing before we get into the start of the spring, you need to contact Joe. To learn more... Visit them online at prolaxcustoms.com, or you can find them on Instagram and Facebook, or email prolaxlacrosse at gmail.com. Uh, and if you would also like to be a sponsor for the podcast or anything else that we do uh, at nh-highschoolsports.com, like the coaches' poll or the all-state teams, you know, our coverage of a specific, specific team or school, uh, you can get more information on that by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. And don't forget, uh, you can keep up with our coverage all spring long by signing up for a lacrosse membership. Just go to nh-highschoolsports.com, go up to the top where it says membership, and choose membership levels from the drop-down menu. 
All right, that's uh, enough of that. Let's uh, let's get into well. I, I will say, um, you know, I was going to, when we start, we're going to do this tonight. I, I was going to make a comment about how, uh, you know, I'm going to have like one eye on the lacrosse and one eye on the, on, on March Madness here is it's the, the first day of the, the, or the first day of the first round of the tournament. Uh, but then I realized that, that your team, your guys are playing tonight. I uh, took my eye off it already. <laughs> <laughs> not, not probably not. Yeah. Not quite going the way you would hope, but, um, but yeah, I, I I totally so uh thank you for the the sacrifice of of you know not watching uh, uh your your Colgate team uh while we're recording this. We got a shot. We're only down 9 at the half. They've turned it around a little bit. Okay, they're, yeah, they're they're a streaky three-point shooting team. They were they were actually I shouldn't even say streaky. They were a very good three-point shoot team. So you got a shooter's chance. They got a shooter's chance in the second half here. Uh there's already been one what there's already been one two seed that went down today. So, you know, I never, I'm, never yeah. say never. It's, uh, it's, it's been, um, yeah, I could, I could afford to not look at this for, for a little while after, uh, after the way the early games went for me here, (laughs) I'm going to say, um, that perhaps too, um, it it would be great, uh, for, for people to, to sign up for memberships and, and sponsorships too, after the way the day is gone, uh for me so you're probably not you're not winning your you're not winning your DraftKings bracket okay. uh i i'm well see i've gone a, i've gone a bit of a different route over the last couple of years i've i've got, i've moved away from the bracket and focus more on the individual games and um yeah that isn't going any better than the brackets used to go for me so well the best part is you still got a whole new slate of games tomorrow exactly you all, absolutely whole, whole new chance to win include including for the first time in what feels like forever my my Pit Panthers are going to be in there, or they they played Tuesday, which was I got uh, Pit Panthers winning. I got the Pit Panthers winning the next that's round. That's good. All right, I like to hear that. But uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that tomorrow. All right, but for tonight, for today, uh, we got a, a couple things that we want to talk about. Um, you know, we'll just we'll just kind of scratch the surface. I think this week we'll really get get in depth on some stuff starting next week. Uh, but you know, I you know, as with every year, you kind of get ready for for it by kind of looking at things you know like new new rules new teams new coaches new anything um you know and and we're in the middle of a a, an nhiaa cycle so we don't have really too much movement uh or no i'm sorry this was the first this this was the start yeah this is the first yeah i'm getting my my seasons mixed up here um we are in the first year of the the NHIA cycle, so there is a. Has it feel, been a it feels like change. the middle. It feels like the middle because we're almost done with the first. Right, year. exactly. It will be the, yeah. middle starting the next fall. But yeah. yeah, so this is the first. This is the first cycle, the start of the new cycle for scheduling for boys lacrosse next year. In theory, all the games will be flipped home and away. Um, same schedules. You can change your change your uh, you know out of division games if you want, but essentially everybody kind of agrees to play home and away during that cycle. Um, so, you know, we had, uh, you know, speaking of, of looking ahead to, to 2023 here, we had our, as I mentioned earlier, we had our coaches meeting last night. Everybody got together. It was great to see everybody. Um, there are a lot of new faces. Um, I think we have, Joe, I think you counted something new, like, like 14 new 14, head coaches. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's actually just positions because doesn't Conval is going to, are they having co-coaches this year? It looks like they might have. It looks yeah. like they have uh, co-coaches. Um, and I don't know. Did you count uh, Salem? I believe the Salem job is still it's open. Still open. Um, yeah, I was counting. I, was, I think yet. I included that. Yeah. So 14, 14, maybe fifteen new faces in total. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, we were talking earlier. I feel like it's just kind of a, a perfect storm of things. There was nothing really that that led to a mass exodus like that. We've had a lot of, you know, year after year, we had a lot of turnover. And I think it's just the nature of of sports in general right now. It's it's hard to find people with the flexibility to work in the afternoons. Um, as we've talked about before, you, you know, I think New Hampshire's doing a great job of obviously producing really good lacrosse players. It's getting those kids to come back home after college to coach, um, you know, there are guys like, uh, you know, younger coaches like Deacon Blue up in Hopkinton, um, you know, Drew Johnson and, and Joe Costa, who played for me, are now with Brian Johnson at Pelham helping out there. So there are some new guys, Harrison Erda up at, up at Stevens. Right. Um, there's there's some a new younger group of guys coming in um, that are there, but we, but we need more. You know, and I, I think that's part of it is that there, there's a, a group of older coaches that are that are kind of phasing out. And, you know, you kind of said some guys are they want to go see their kids play. Other people are starting families. So there's there's just sort of a, uh, a perfect storm of things, I think, happening. Yeah, it's it's um it's interesting to see. And and I, I you know, I guess the, the thing that comes to mind, too, is is it is any of it pandemic related? I, I, I mean, I know. You know, we've talked about, I think, numbers in some places for certain classes, and I think maybe we'll start to see some of that change a little bit within the next year or so. But, you know, there were some some schools that had pretty low numbers for, for their seniors or juniors last year um, or maybe going into this year. Do you think any of that has, has a role in it too? Well, maybe some guys stepped away because of that. Uh, I do think it's, it's definitely a challenge and where I'm seeing it, we have a, we have a JV list, uh, you know, schools can put in whether or not they think they have a JV list. And obviously it's early right now. A lot of people haven't had tryouts, but, um, I'm definitely seeing in division three, like I remember when we were down in division three, there really, it was more as we were building our numbers, we'd try and always play a fifth quarter, right. To get those extra guys time. We didn't quite have enough for a JV team, but now I'm seeing a lot of teams that don't even know if they can play a fifth quarter, um, you know, or are just kind of you know, hoping to make sure that they can get through the season with enough guys, right. which is a little bit, which is a little bit concerning. Um, you know, we can get into more of that, that affects all American status in, in the state, different things like that. I think the bigger schools are still, you know, especially in division one, I, I think division two is doing okay, but yeah, division, division three, just looking at the early returns on, on who's going to have JV teams this year. Um, it does look like the numbers are down right now. And it's definitely due to the pandemic. I mean, there, there's at least one, two, maybe three classes of kids that really didn't get a chance to play and develop the way you normally would. And now kids are kind of feeling like, you know, if I haven't played lacrosse before, you know, middle school or especially, you know, before freshman year, I'm not good enough to play. You know, and that's right. that's a really tough thing. I mean, that, you know, that's kind of happened in, in other sports as they've become, you know, more popular in soccer and basketball and football and things like that. It's harder for a good athlete to get into those things now because, you know, they do feel like the skill set is so specialized that if I don't do it, I'm going to look silly and they don't want to take that chance. I mean, I'm even, you know, I used to always get kids that I could hand a stick to in the hallway at Dairy Field. And I'm even having a harder time doing that now because the kids, that's just how specialized the sport has become. Well, and, and, and the place that that probably where you have the kids just kind of, I, I you know, a lot of places you're some schools in division one, I imagine maybe some more schools in division two, you know, there were kids who, you know, it's this year's senior class where the freshmen that lost that 2020 season, you know, it, that's the yep. kind of the time where you, maybe if you didn't play before high school, you know, you're going to come in as a freshman and say, I'm going to give this a try. And I think that's probably, that's how, you know, contributes to that problem in division three is, you know, that, you know, those are maybe the schools I would assume that have maybe fewer kind of those lost, seniors, those, numbers. Yeah, that lost yeah. those numbers because those kids didn't get the opportunity, like you said, to try it. 
early on and now at this point they're like well you know i'm not, i i'm a, i'm a senior i don't want to go make a fool of myself or i'm a junior i don't want to go make a a fool right. of myself whether whether right. they would or not um but it's yeah that's that's a tough thing to do um and and certainly much easier to do when you're younger well for sure so i mean all those things kind of added up to to some coaching some some coaching changes there but in the end it was, it was good to see everybody night at the other night and one of the big things that we we do at the meeting there is we have to uh we have to do a rules review every year <laughs> uh we had tim bethke one of our one of our uh top officials in the state come in and give a good overview of the changes that have occurred uh for this year from the the nfhs uh we talked a lot about face-offs stick changes um basically just in general rules interpretation. Um, and so I thought, it, I thought it was really useful. I thought it was good to, to hear those things. Um, Joe, out of the, out of the changes there, which ones kind of stand out to you is, is, you know, maybe ones that, that we should be paying attention to, to this to, spring. To me on the, sur- like on the surface as, as a, as an, an observer, you know, someone that's not, you know, you know, elbows deep in the, the nitty gritty, like the, 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 uh, the details, like, I know there's some things on here that like, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're looking at, I was like, okay, this is going to be a big change for me or, or not. I, I don't feel like there's anything kind of drastic. Um, the ones that I thought were kind of interesting, um, you know, the, the changing of the, this on the sideline where you, um, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. I guess just where, where you enter on and off the field. Um, All the sub, the, the substitution. substitution yes. That, yep. Yeah. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. <laughs> um, you know, losing five yards on either side of that. I mean, that's kind of an interesting, I'm, I'm curious to see how that affects, you know, certain teams that are, are just used to having that extra space. Um, and, and, and maybe this is the first time they're going to see it. Um, that's kind of, that feels like a big change to me. Um, it matches, it now matches, it now matches the college game. Um, you know, it, it's before when you had 10 yards there, you could really use that box to your advantage. You could have guys subbing off 10 yards. It's, it's, it was essentially a 20 yard head start, right? If right. you, if you sub the guy off in your defensive end, you could be shooting a midfielder out 20 yards down the line. So it kind of tightens those things up. So, it'll, you know, in, it'll just be an adjustment in the riding and clearing game a little bit, you know, teams will, teams will have to tighten up the way they clear a little bit better. Um, and like I said, I think it, I think it was more designed because they, they felt like one, they wanted to make sure that we were in line with what, what college is, you know, they make the game as close to the college game as they right. can. I still think we should have a shot clock. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I think that's one way that it, that it will definitely help is, is, um, you know, making sure that the, the field itself mimics as closely to the to college game as possible. Yeah. Which, which, you know, I understand. Cause I mean, that's, that was the whole, um, or kind of the reason for changing the face-offs, right? Last yeah. year was was to make it more like the college game. Well, in theory, you want the kids practicing the same. You know, if, if these kids want to play in college, right? You know, it didn't make any sense to have kids, you know, clearly have an advantage using the moto grip, and then sort of like, but I can't use it in college. So, if I practice the way I'm supposed to play in college, it's a disadvantage when I'm playing in high school. So it's the same thing. It's just yeah. This is more of a team preparation, right? Now you're now you're preparing your kids to, to ride and clear and substitute the same way that, you know, college teams are, basically. Yeah. Um, this other one here about the um, having the clearly marked uh, center line and end line um, is interesting to me, too. And, and, and I guess, it, you know, hearing that, you know, people might think, okay, well, fields that are the grass fields that are painted like that, I guess that makes sense. But what it sounds like it's, it's really more, 
focused on is the the shared field turf fields you know that might have you yeah. know a logo in the end zone and the, the one that comes to mind right away to me is is pinkerton's field you know where they have those red end zones and i know in the past they've used like kind of that temporary paint to to put lines down you know stelos so is the same way if you look at the end zones of stelos their their uh their logos run right through the they? right through okay. the back there yep. okay and it's it, it they do paint it but it just makes it makes it very difficult it does make it very difficult um you know in the other place the other place you see that is uh with the logos when they're directly in the center right you have to have a line running through for right. for the face-off circle there um, and again, the away team, you know, in, in theory, if you don't do it, the away team is, is going to take first possession, no face off. Um, you know, and I feel like that, I don't maybe that's just a point of emphasis this year, but that, you know, that, um, that has been an effective while that was, I remember there was a whole year where, where Hanover never got the ball first because they, <laughs> they had their logo in the middle of the field and they couldn't have a, they didn't have a stripe going down the middle of it. So, um, that happened every, that happened every game to them. Well, this, um, um... Well, with the other field too is Exeter's new turf. I think has blue end zones, um, which yep. it didn't didn't used to, which I guess gives me the opportunity to tell one of my one of my favorite stories was how when the in twenty fifteen the first year that the fi- all three finals were at Exeter and uh, they started the D three final and uh, one end of the field they had the the pylons put five yards short so there wasn't enough room behind the goal, um, but no one noticed. I think it was. Pelham Trinity, if I remember correctly, I don't remember which team had the ball, but basically one team had the ball at the other end of the field for the entire first quarter, and then when they switched, it went the other way, and that's when they they played an entire quarter with, uh, with missing about five yards on the end of the field, um, which I don't know to, to to someone like me that that just I I, I get an <laughs> amusement out of that, yeah, um, but yeah that's so that that's I I didn't know that about Hanover that's that's an interesting. Uh, um, and I wonder if that's one too. If like you know the kids don't realize, you know they just assume all oh, the other the visiting team starts the game with possession. Like they don't realize. No, I'm anything. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they do. They, they yeah. the kids and, and coach up there was pretty angry most most years that they they, they couldn't yeah. get that figured out. You know. Um, so anything else that kind of so what 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 to you as as a coach um, stands out the most in in these new uh, NFHS rules. Um, well, I mean, there's two rule. There's, there's two rules that I think, um, can have that, that, you know, have good consequences on, on the game. Um, the fact that, you know, when the running time occurs, like if a team gets up by 12 goals in the second half at any time in the second half, um, you know, the whole idea behind the running time was that, you know, you, it would, it would encourage coaches to substitute freely, right. To get, uh, some of the players that, you know, that, that, that should get in the game to help even things out a little bit, encourage them to put them in the game at that point where, where it got a little bit tough is when, you know, you have teams where you want to play those kids, you want to substitute your starters out, but there, there's a big disparity in talent between the two there. And then all of a sudden you put those kids in and either physically they're not ready or, you know, you give up a bunch of goals quick and then all of a sudden it gets tighter and you got to put your starters back in. Now the clock, now, anytime you get up by 12 in the second half, the clock's going to continue to run. So I, I think it, I think that's a good change and it'll help, uh, it'll help cut down on, on coaches feeling the need to put their starters in and out of the game to kind of balance things out. It should, it should allow for, you know, um, a more free flowing second half in games like that. Yeah. I think it should benefit both teams. I, I, the thing that, that comes to mind for me is I've definitely been at games where, you know, you're in the second half, it's maybe mid third quarter, you get to that 12 goal mark and it's like, okay, clock's going to run 
maybe the like third string f- for the team that's up the third string faceoff guy comes out the other kid wins it they go down and score and now it's back to 11 and okay we're stopping right. the clock again and then you know and then maybe a few minutes later it goes back to 12 and then, so you're just you're going back and forth like that and that's that's can be as as a spectator that's a little frustrating yeah you know, and that was always the that was always the thing to figure out is okay when when do you start making those substitutions right? When's it safe? You know, when can you when can you start doing that? And you feel you feel comfortable. And I know there's probably a lot of people laughing. It's like, well, you're up by twelve. When why why would it can change pretty quick, especially with how specialized faceoffs are and things like that now. Um, you know, I I again I think that running clock's a good thing. The other change along with that that you know sort of it came into effect last year is at the end of games when you're up by four more goals, not having to keep it in, in the box there. Right. Essentially the game's over. Why, why have the players get beat on during there? Right. It, 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 it did nothing. It did no good. You know, it, it goes along with like, if you're blowing a team out, it, but you got to keep it in the box, you're just inviting trouble. You're inviting players to get hurt at that point. So, um, you know, that was a really good rule change last year um, to go along with that. Yeah. The other one I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested in, I guess ties into that a little bit is this, um, the stall warning one that's on here, um, you know, but it, I, I, it, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm reading it right. Um, but it basically, it, it says that it, it, does it say that, um, you know, that it continues to go on? Like, so if you take a shot, get the rebound, they don't have to like recall it or re, um, yes. You know, reward yeah, the it. other team has to, the other team has to have possession of it first, basically. I see. That's another one, like like the, what you were just saying too about the goal differential. I didn't know. I I assumed that that one was on the books. Um, it just kind of makes sense. Um, so I'm glad to see that those were added. Oh, always good when we can add rules that that um, seem to bring common sense uh, <laughs> into any game. <laughs> and I'm actually embarrassed that I didn't know that 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 wasn't a thing before. I just always assumed that yeah, until I turn you know the stall the stall warning is going to stay on until I until I uh, yeah. either score a goal or or the other team gets possession of it. But right. I guess uh, I mean I guess I guess it is they they do say the rationale is more of a clarification than anything else. It's not really a rule change. I guess it's more just a, I think it was more of a clarification in the wording so that it was a little bit more clear that there there truly does have to be a a change of possession to the other team. Yeah, at that point. Um, any uh, any changes at the at the state level for you know NHIA changes to to rules or anything that um you know that that's worth noting or is it kind of just a lot? No, of it's stuff? just you know we we adopt we adopt the NFA, uh, NFHS rules uh, for for the the state of New Hampshire there, so we have to abide by those. Um, you know, I thought in in years past we've had some equipment changes, right? The goalie chest protector, the shoulder pads, things like that have, have changed. This year it was more. This year it was more stick related. Um, you know, for for listeners out there that that know the gate, the gate defensive head, right? They came out with this head that had sort of hooks on the side, and the idea was that, you know, you could kind of throw a poke check, throw it in there, kind of sort of can open and, and and rip the stick out of the guy's hands, right? What what I saw happen more times than not is the guy would throw a check, get it snagged on the guy's jersey, and then they get called for a hold. Um, so it, it kind of I don't think it necessarily had the effect that uh, the people thought it was going to have when they designed it. But regardless, that that's been uh, that's been outlawed. So that was a big emphasis is that, you know, we wanted to make sure that coaches understood that if any of their players had those sticks, they were illegal and that they, they can't be used this season. Um, and then the other the other rule was the um, 
the, the pocket, the stringing of the pockets, which is which is timely with our sponsors there, right? If, <laughs> if anybody feels like they, they need a, a pocket change, uh, I'm, I'm sure Prolax Customs would be happy to help. Um, you know, so the rule behind that was basically all the mesh has to be attached uh, to the sidewalls and that if a, a golf ball, basically a golf ball sized hole or larger was there, then the pocket would be deemed illegal. And again, it's just, there were there were all kinds of ways people are getting really creative with the way they string sticks and and you know the amount of hold that it can have and basically you know so they're they're trying to tighten things up to make sure that everybody's playing by the same rules and um you know that uh when the ball is supposed to come out it's coming out basically is what they're trying yeah. to, they're trying to do um you know sticks are already the technology around sticks has already made it really hard to get the ball out of the stick we don't need to make it we don't need to make it any harder <laughs> yeah. um the, at that the... point the hook the hook thing sounds i mean that just seems crazy to me i i never i didn't ever notice them um how like how big of a thing are we talking about here uh it was it's it's a fairly i'll have to send you a picture of it i okay. mean they were, they were they were fairly they were fairly large protrusions huh. on the side of the stick there um and you probably didn't see it cuz i mean it it really it was kind of a one year thing and i'm trying to remember when i first saw them come out last year last year it might have even been might even been as late as the summer. I'm trying to remember if anyone had them in the spring. Okay. Um, all right. But uh, you know, they didn't. We we all looked at it. And we thought there's no way that, that this is gonna <laughs> this is gonna pass for very long, and it didn't. You know, yeah. it definitely is that within a year they they've taken care of that, and um, you know, we all thought it. We all thought it would be a be a change or be outlawed. So I, I'm going to, I, I probably, now that I think of this, it would have been something I should have mentioned uh, before we started. So you had a chance to think about it. I'm going to put you on the spot here, if that's all right. Uh-oh. Is there, are there any things that you would have liked to have seen changed that, that ha- I mean, I, I, I guess I should preface that too. And you mentioned shot clock. So I guess maybe aside from the shot clock, um, anything that you would have liked to seen change or, or think should be changed um, for whatever reason? Uh, boy, that's a good question. I mean, for me, you, I mean, you said it outside of the shot clock, um, you know, that that's the big one for me. Um, I, I would like a D emphasis on, on eye black. Like I think the amount of time <laughs> that referees spend checking eye black and, you know, I, I mean, I get it. It is a rule, but like, it's just the most ridiculous thing to, to harp on and to really nitpick over, you know, there, there's, um, there are guys out there and they're just doing their job, but they're literally coming around with baby wipes and, and checking guys before the game. And it's like, you know, um, I, I understand it's a rule, but like, I just think it's, I, I don't know. I don't think, uh, I think it's taking a lot of creativity and a lot of fun out of the game. And I just, uh, but I guess until that rule changes, you know, guys, guys have to do their job and enforce it. Um, you know, so I get it. It's a small thing, but I, I think that's, you know, I, that's one thing that really annoys me. And I think it annoys me more than anything else because I tell my kids before every game, please don't do this. Like, I, I don't want, like, let's just make the official job easier, right? But yeah. they're kids and they want to have fun yeah. and they want to see what they can get away with. Exactly. You know? Yeah, I just got a really weird feeling of deja vu. I think that, I think I may have done the same thing to you last year. And I think that make because now Did i give you that was, answer last year, as too? you were saying that i feel like i feel like i've heard this before <laughs> how about uh i'll give you another one how about I, I i would like to see the crease dive come back i'd like to see i'd like to be able like how much fun when you're watching when you're watching the pll on the weekends how much fun is the crease dive yeah like, i i would like to say or even a modified like the college right let's put a right let's put a goal let's put a goal mouth in there and if you can you know again i i know it's another thing for referees to have to watch and sort of be subjective about but 
I just think it's a really fun part of the game. We have some incredible athletes playing right now. And, you know, that that's somewhere where they could really showcase their talent. It's another way, uh, you know, a, a, you got to defend against it, but also another way that, you know, offenses can be creative in scoring. Um, I, I, boy, I would love to see that come back. Yeah. That I, would I be fun. Would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I would like that. I'm all for that. It would make for some great photos too. <laughs> it would make for some great, it would make for some really great photos, photos and videos. Yeah. That's see, that's, that's my angle. That's how I, that's, there you what go. I, think I gave you a better one. There we go. Um, all right. I think that, um, yeah, that's probably enough talk about rules because uh, no one no one likes rules, right? Like, we you don't, don't want to you don't want to talk about metal spikes on cleats. You oh yeah, to, that's uh... right. Yeah, that that was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly like I I read that and I was like I, I don't I can't think of any have ever having seen that. I don't think I've ever seen I don't think I've ever seen a lacrosse player wear metal metal spikes before. I'm sure it's happened, but I just I can't. I, I don't know. I, I guess so. What what we're saying is, you, if you used to or if you did, you can't anymore. You can't. Yes. <laughs> Uh, um, well, any, anything, any of the other ones that, I mean, I think pretty much everything else was kind of just, um, um, you know, standard stuff. If there was anything else that we didn't, didn't, uh, yeah, no, that was, that was pretty standard. Again, you know, we had a, we had a good talk. Um, you know, uh, Tim Bethke talked to, you know, we had him commit these face offs are obviously a huge part of the game right now. And just really, really talked about the, the nuances of facing off and what he's looking for as an official there. Right. You know, um, basically, as we switched over to standing neutral grip, right, uh, you know, hand placement, right, uh, not touching the plastic and, and being able to see space between the head and, and the hands there, having having it properly taped in a different color, um, you know, working on uh, having your players understand the cadence of down set whistle, um, you know, those those type of things. Um, and then really, you know, what are some of the common like when an illegal procedure happens, right? blocking the exit of the player who, who's won, right? Stepping on the stick, kicking the stick, those type of things that um, I think it, it was great to hear him say that because I know over the years that, you know, I've known those things, but I think some of our newer officials and other things, like it's great that that's a point of emphasis for them because that is a huge, like for guys that are that are really passionate about facing off, they know the rules and they know how to do these things. And then it's frustrating for them when, when um, you know, people are doing things that are illegal, to try and to try and mess them up because they are so good about it so you know really emphasizing what what some of those things are um you know uh there used to be basically you used to be able to used to be able to play the ball before or sorry you used to be able to play the man before the ball now you can't you have to play the ball you can't just put your head down you can't just you can't just ram yourself into the other guy and blow him off the ball um you know that that used to be a, a way that a lot of teams would would try and neutralize a good face-off guy um, so there really has been an emphasis on trying to reward guys who are skilled at the position and not just going up there and, and trying to destroy the other, the other player. Um, with that same token, they've also, they've also instituted a lot of things to try and get wing play back involved again, too. You used to be able to sit there and, and spin around and spin around and spin around and look for, look for an outlet. It's basically you get it clamped, you get a one 1000 and you got to get the ball out. Same thing. Like if you have, you know, if you've won the clamp and you push it forward, you get one step, it's got to be out of the back of your stick and move it again. So while they've tried to reward skill in the face-off, they've also tried to bring back in the play of the wings too, because for a while, 
the wing play was really disappearing, right? It was a yeah. one-man show. And, you know, if you're good at it, it still can be a one-man show. Um, but we're trying to, you know, at some point, it's almost you're looking around. It's like, why do we even bother trotting wings out there when, like, you know, they're basically <laughs> basically useless at that point. It's just two guys, you know, they, you know, one wins or they don't, you know, and they're, they're going down the field. Right. Um, so that was, that was, that was good to, to have Tim, Tim go over those things last night as well. I, I would I would love to sit in on one of those sometimes too. I let's 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 throw that out there if it, you know any coaches that are listening, you know let's maybe let's try to uh, get some support some support for that. Let uh, not necessarily to like report on anything or anything, just to just to hear it. Like I think that'd be pretty interesting. For, yeah, you know. I will. You are, you are always welcome in our meetings, Joe. Excellent. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna. You know what? Let's. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna make sure I, I make note of where that is and. Uh, in the podcast. Uh, um, all right. So we got through the rules. Uh, there are other changes like we, we uh, like I messed up on earlier. Um, this is actually the, the first year of a, a new two-year cycle for the NHIAA. So there are some changes within the divisions. But there was another change this year that we've known has been coming for, for a couple of years and, and was finally put into effect for this, the 2022-23 uh, school year. And that was the um, the playoff eligibility rule for teams that were petitioning down um so what that means is that that any team that and this goes for every sport except for ice hockey uh any team that petitioned down from the division where they were they were put in for enrollment um is then ineligible to make the playoffs for the first year of the cycle so that means this year they become eligible for the second year however if they make the playoffs in that second year they are not allowed to petition down um, for the following cycle. They have to move back up. It doesn't really affect a lot of teams um, in boys or girls lacrosse, but there are a couple of teams that it does affect. Um, you know, but I also think you saw maybe one or two teams maybe stay somewhere or go somewhere that they otherwise wouldn't have. Um, and the one team that comes to mind actually is in Division One, where – this year we only have 12 teams in Division One, which I think is the smallest it's been. I, I gotta say, in in a decade, uh, maybe more. I, it's, I remember, it, 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 yeah, there was a time. Yeah, you're probably right. It probably was about a decade ago yeah. where there were only only 12 teams. I don't think it's the same 12 teams that are up there now, but no. um, you know, it's it was. Yeah, it ha, it has been smaller in the past, but this is definitely the smallest one we've had in a long time. But I was I was kind of, um, you know, to see that the. Uh, the unified Manchester, or what did we call them last year? Manchester United uh, is is back in Division One this year. After you know you had Central and Memorial moving down um, a couple of years ago um, to Division Two, so that that uh, unified program is um, is back in Division One, where they they are um, they would be based on enrollment. And you look at that and you say, oh, you know, I I think though. You know, given what they they've got coming back, I think that was actually a good move by them. You know, it, with twelve teams, um, you know, per the the seventy percent rule, that's eight teams make the playoffs. Um, yeah. You know, you got your teams, your 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 BG Exeter, uh, Pinkerton. I I would put Bedford uh, up there as kind of like your maybe. I I guess I just gave you my my preseason top four in Division One there with those four <laughs> teams. Um, you know, and I I would think Londonderry. Um. Now I'm drawing up a Concord. I, you know they're going to be in the mix for that. Those one of those playoff spots. I, I, but the rest of them, um, 
you know, I would say that's up for grabs for anybody, including um, Manchester. Yeah, and, and the interesting part will be to see how they filled out the rest of their schedule. The an interesting kind of quirk to only having 12 teams in the division is everybody was only given an 11 game schedule and you have to have 12 games to make the playoffs right uh, there. So in theory, you had up to seven more games that you could schedule to reach 18, you know, and depending how, you know, man, you and some of these other schools uh, filled their roster, right. They could have, they could have filled them with uh, division two and division three teams. They could have scheduled more division one teams. So it will be a little bit unbalanced and, um, Actually, actually, Coach Jordan and I were talking last night and we were kind of saying, like, you know, it is a good opportunity for them. Right. They can play against some of the bigger schools, but then they also have an opportunity to play against some of the schools that they were they were really competitive with and, and even beat last year in Division two and had a great season. Um, so I, I do think that playing up in Division one gives them the best of both worlds. Right. They can they can compete with some of the larger and, and traditionally, you know, powerhouses. And then they also have the flexibility within their schedule to schedule more games that they know are going to be competitive, right? They just have to be real active in doing that. They've got to work with their AD to kind of kind of say, hey, these are the games that we know uh, outside of Division One that would be good matchups for us and, and give us an opportunity to compete. Um, and then I think I think you can. I think they have they have a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of momentum going. And um, I hope I hope they can keep it going forward because it's a, it's a neat thing to see to see lacrosse thriving back in Manchester. Yeah, again. absolutely. Um, and I have an answer. I you know I've got their schedule up in front of me right now, or at least what. All right. What, what, it is what do we got out of division? We got uh, 15 teams or fifteen games on this schedule. Okay. Um, the only out of division games that are actually there's only one out of division game on here, uh, and it, they've got Trinity um, on the schedule uh, for for a game in mid May. Which Manchester I mean, Cup. yeah, makes sense. Um, Manchester uh, matchup. Um, you know, I, the the Division One playing Division Three is kind of unique. You don't see that too often, just because it it kind of puts the Division One team, I think, behind a little bit because you lose a point uh, if you win that game. Um, but then they've got they double up with uh, North South Dover. Um, so they got a couple extra games in there, but what's also kind of interesting too, is they start the year with Pinkerton and BG in the first week, which, um, I, I don't know. I look at that and say, that's good. Get, get some of those games out of the way early while you're still trying to, you know, work the, work the kinks out a work little bit. Work through the kinks. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, so I, yeah, I like that this schedule looks pretty good. I mean, you've got all the other division one teams on here too, Salem, Exeter, um, Londonderry, Merrimack, Concord, Bedford. So yeah, this is a pretty good schedule, I think, for them. Yeah, sounds like a great opportunity for yeah. them this year. Yeah. Um, so again, with uh, Manchester moving up um, and only twelve teams being in the division, that means somebody moved down. Uh, and this year, who it was? And we feel like we're we're seeing teams that have been in Division One forever kind of drop um, every other year, every other cycle. And uh, it was Hanover a couple of years ago. This year it's Sauhegan. Um, you know they decided to stay uh, in Division Two instead of petitioning up to Division One. I. I was going to say, interestingly enough, they had been in Division One, but but by school size, you yeah. know, it was because their programs they had strong youth programs, they've had success that they were playing. They were they were playing up in at, at Division One at that Division One level. Right. They are they are Division Two this year, um, and the other team that that was in Division One that is is moving down is uh, is the Co-op. With uh, with Keen and Monadnock, um, they'll also be uh, petitioning down from Division One, um, so that means they w um, won't be eligible for the playoffs. 
And the other team that falls into that too is uh, is Spalding, which has always petitioned down into Division Two, um, but this year because of that that rule, um, you know, it makes them ineligible as well. But I think for I think for them it was more important to keep some of right. the the seacoast the, the keep the some of the seacoast um, rivalries and things that they had the local the local games there. I know at one point that was. Um, you know, I, I think Dover being up in Division One is great competitive wise, but I know they had, you know, that was that was one of the reasons why they had moved down to Division Two at one point too, because like regionally it does make sense. You have St. Thomas, you've got Winnicott, you've got Portsmouth, you've got Spalding, you've got these teams out there, so it, it it made sense regionally for them to be there out that way too. Yeah, I mean, you've got just Exeter and Dover who are the only Seacoast teams that aren't um, in Division right. Two. Yeah, um, but then Dover, you know, just just pulled up their schedule. Um, you know, they do play a couple of Division Two games. They've got Oyster River, uh, Timberlane, Winnicott, and Spalding on their schedule. Um, so they keep they keep a little bit of that that Seacoast uh, flavor on there. Um, yeah. So then you know, and then and then in uh, Division Two, we uh, we saw a couple teams move around too. Co Brown had been up in in Division Two for a little while. They they've moved they've moved down. Um, and then before that, uh, it's been a little while now, but, but Milford too, Milford's settled into, into division three, um, nicely there as well. Yeah. They've um, been, a, they've been a program that's petitioned down, um, to division three, the last couple of cycles. Um, but then, and then the other team that moved down as well, are well, again, it's, it's yeah. Cole Brown had been petitioning up to division two, right? They stayed in, in division three now along with, uh, with Bo, which had been, yes, that's um, right. Um, a traditional division two power going back uh, not not that long ago may, i guess maybe 10 years um you know but they're they're down in division three this year uh and i think that's going to be a pretty good fit for them um i think it's gonna be a great fit know. i mean early early returns from uh we're doing a little we're doing a little preseason coaches poll having a little fun and early returns people are really high on both co brown and and Bo, uh making you know big impact and probably deep runs in, in division three this year. Um, so it, it could be a really good fit for them. Um, and then we forgot to mention out of division three too, um, you know, to help stabilize both programs, Hillsboro and John Stark combined, and they'll right. be playing in division two this year as well. So it's good to see, good to see them uh, getting, getting back together there and getting lacrosse there. It's been at least, has it been a year, two years since, since John Stark? It's, it's, um, since, it's pre COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, yeah. another another COVID another COVID loss there. That, you know, kids kids missed there, and you know didn't have didn't have the youth kids coming up, and now uh, now that that all the numbers are rebuilding there, so it's it's good that those two programs are are getting together there. Coach Rover will do a good job. He'll get them he'll get them going again. The uh, the downside of that, um, and and you mentioned it before about you know in terms of of the you know the number of all Americans the state gets by yeah. losing losing that team in Hillsboro during. Um, does that affect, um, you know, the number of all, or we were, we were already at a lower number. Be, or I, I, yeah. Well, how does, how does that work? We get, uh, I believe, I believe off the top of my head, it's one, it's, it's one all American for every six teams, I believe. And because we're at 47 right now, they round up because I think that's approximately 5.8 if I'm doing the math right. right. And um, so we still get uh, no, so that wouldn't. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure we get eight. We get eight all American. We get eight all Americans and eight academic all Americans. 
So, and, and when the number doesn't come out evenly, they round up with, with that. Okay. So we are, we are at kind of a tipping point where like, we do need either, we hopefully are not losing more teams. We'd ideally like more teams to come in. At one point we did have, uh, we did have nine all Americans. And then because of the losses of some programs, um, you know, we, we had to, we dipped back down to eight. Um, and I think we're pretty, we're fine right now. We're not, we're not in danger of losing, you know, another one. But um, we, we certainly we'd like to get we, there's a lot of deserving players out there. Right, we, we'd yeah. like to get back to we'd like to get back to nine again if we can or even grow it even further than that. And, and from I, I'm going to throw this out here on my own, um, you know, from what I've heard from from past nomination processes. Uh, if you have any inkling that you're you have a guy that that could be an All-American, uh, don't hesitate to nominate him. Throw throw his name in there. Um, yeah, we, we, we went through that. We went through that last night. Um, you know, we have a deadline of April, April 30th. Um, the coaches have to get on to us, us lacrosse and, uh, and, and register. Uh, they don't have to register as a us lacrosse member, but they have to create a profile and then they, it gives them more, uh, ability to go in and add and take kids off and do things like that. Um, you know, the academic all American is another, is another one where, um, you know, we encourage the coaches to, to work with the guidance counselors at the school to identify kids that might fit that. Um, it's not just work in the classroom. It also takes into account, um, you know, the players uh, on field contributions. It used to be just like if you qualified academically, you know, they were basically looking at transcripts and not taking into account. Well, this kid didn't this kid hardly played. He didn't come <laughs> off the bench. And it wasn't a true representation right. of what an academic All-American should be um, so that they kind of tighten those things up there, too. Um, and so you have to have, you have to have above, uh, I, I want to say it's three, seven, which I think is, a, which is a B plus, I think. And, and there at least, uh, as a minimum. And, um, you know, I think so, um, you know, those, those type of things, um, we just encourage the coaches to take a look at that early. So that way, if you can get the, if you can get your nominations in early, the committee has more of a chance to see the kids play throughout the season. And, um, and we also, we also said that, you know, it's, it's not just a division one thing, like, you know, division two and division three schools have some good players and um, the committee gets out and looks at those players. And if they're worthy, they're getting, they're getting that award. Absolutely. Yeah. There's definitely been guys from, uh, from lower divisions that are, are, are deserving of that over the years that uh, have unfortunately missed out. Especially, especially at the academic All-American level, um, you know the 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 All-American the All-American award is a little bit tougher. I think it, it's definitely you know the teams that are that are playing in Division One, um, you know, oftentimes have very robust out-of-state schedules, um, you know, and those kids those kids have more opportunities to test themselves and, and show what they can show what they can do. But again, when when there's been kids that have deserved it at the Division Two and Division Three level, I feel like those kids have gotten it. Um, and we, you know, pretty much, I, I think the committee's done a pretty good job of identifying the top kids that, that deserve, you know, the top eight, basically, when you can only identify eight, it's pretty prestigious. And, and I think they've right. done a good job with it yeah. over the last few years. Um, you know, the other thing that that does though, um, going back to, to, um, you know, Hillsboro Deering and John Stark co-oping, uh, it, it, I, I'm assuming I, I, you know, I haven't seen anything official, but I'm assuming it changes the number of playoff teams um in division three um you know division two still has 20 teams which would um line up for for 14 teams making the playoffs but division three then goes from 16 to 15 teams which then cuts off uh, a team so you go from 11 to 10 making the playoffs um in division three this year 
I don't know. Do they round up? Because when I do the math on that, it's uh, it, it, the seventy percent rule. You got you got you got ten point five teams. So do they do they round up? I it doesn't say that on the uh, in the handbook. Um, doesn't doesn't. Mention... Oh, are you looking in the handbook? I'm, they, yeah, I'm, they yeah. There's have, a... they do have specific. So did, it, it, at fifteen teams, it's fifteen. 10 teams. It has ten. Yeah, and then it says okay. six, sixteen dash seventeen is eleven. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. There's a you know surprisingly there's a an answer for just about just about everything in the handbook. I did encourage coaches last night to look at the NHI handbook there. There is a lot of there is a lot of stuff in there that's very useful. Yeah, it, stuff in there. That change hasn't been updated in there yet. Um, with the with, um, the co-op. Um, I mean, uh, but uh, but it is happening. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty cut and dry. If there's 15 teams, you're gonna have 10 teams, and you're gonna have 10 teams in the playoffs there. Um. So, and then, uh, you know, other thing, other things we, other things we're looking forward to this season. Uh, we talked about the need. We want to get back to, we, uh, we have the senior all-star game at the end of the year, the Vermont, New Hampshire all-star game, the twin state game up there. Okay. We want to get back. We, we, we were, uh, we, we were dominating that rivalry for a while. And now, now it's kind of swung the other direction with, uh, with Vermont taking the last, the last couple, uh, want to get New Hampshire back on top up there. So we're trying to get our best seniors out talking to our coaches about making sure that we can, I, I think we've got a pretty good senior class this year. We've got a lot of kids committed to college. Um, you know, and if we get, if we can get those kids out to make that commitment early. And that was the big thing we talked about is making sure we talk to our seniors so that we're not nominating kids who can't play in the game. And then, uh, cause last year, I think that also hurt our team. We had, we had a lot of last minute, you know, cancellations from kids figuring out they couldn't make the game. Um, you know, if we're going to do it, we want to be competitive, right? Joe, we're raising money for a good cause, right. but we also, we want to take that trophy back home again this year. Does, um, is there a date for that game yet? Or is it still? I do out? have the dates. I gotta, I gotta remember off the top of my head. I know we want nominations are due on May 6th and I believe it's June 24th is what I have in my head. I'm going to quickly look. It is June 24th, Saturday, okay. June 24th, uh, up at Hanover, um, boys are playing at three o'clock. Girls are playing at one fifteen. Um, I've been, I've been able to go up a couple times. Um, unfortunately, usually, um, I'm away coaching, uh, a travel team at that point. Um, but, uh, yeah, it that, has the few, the few times I've been up, it's, it's been a lot of fun. That feels, that feels kind of late, but I'm assuming that's the weekend before is likely father's day weekend. So that's probably a good reason for bumping that back. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Or potentially graduate running into graduations too. Um, and you know what? Maybe that's um, that's worth mentioning too. That once again this year, um, the uh, the boys' finals will be on a Sunday um, in June. Uh, we did do that. Yeah, yeah, we did do that to kind of like the committee talked about doing that to try and avoid graduations um, as much as they can. And the other the other uh, the other new thing that came out of that is. Um, you know, the, the, the in quote spotlight game, the 7.30 game, the 7.30 p.m. game uh, is now going to rotate between all the all the divisions each year with the division getting to play in that in that spotlight game. So this year, uh, Division one is going to play at 2.30. Uh, division two has the spotlight game at 7.30 and then uh, Division three has the five o'clock game. And then every year it'll just it'll bump. So next year, Division one will have the five o'clock game. Uh, division three will have the spotlight game and division two will play the play first at two thirty there. So that's, um, you know, just kind of, kind of every fan base deserves a chance to, to play under the lights yeah. there playing that championship. And I, I thought that was a neat change for this year too. And I, I don't think it's really, I don't think it'll change it. I, I think if anything, it'll help attendance for some of the, for some of those other games. Sure. I, I'm, I'm curious uh, how well prepared will 
the Division One teams be for that uh, 2.30 start in what's typically like 95-plus degree weather? I, I've been impressed watching when it's traditionally been the Division Three teams. Teams are bringing pop-up tents. They yeah. got coolers. They got fans going. Like, you know, it is – and it, that is a that is a real concern for that game, yeah. yeah. And I think it's why I think it's why so many teams do want to play in that spotlight <laughs> game at the end there, because yeah. you know even if even if you are getting you know summer heat at that point, it does help when the sun goes down. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's it's a much it's usually a very very pleasant. Uh, we we've lucked out, I think, a lot of times with the weather. I know I know sometimes there's been a little bit of rain um, during the day, but I feel like for the most part it's been uh, it's been great weather for for these tournament these championship games. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the other thing I will, I'll throw out there too, is what it opens up the possibility for. If you guys keep playing those games on Sunday is for them to stagger the girls a little bit better and have the girls championships all on one day on Saturday. Um, instead of having them on the Tuesday before with three games in three different places, starting all at the same time. It is possible. But again, the justification was to try and avoid graduation. Right. So, you know, Joe, girls graduate, too. They, they do. They have their graduation. <laughs> well, we we made too, it. So. We made it work uh, with the boys games on Saturdays for like. We did five or six years. <laughs> I remember we played we played in uh, quite a few championships where we graduate in the morning and then they'd be playing in the championships Absolutely. in the afternoon. Yeah. So it, it can work. It's just a little it's a little more stressful. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> um... All right. Well, um, I don't know. Any other any final thoughts uh, before we uh, we wrap up on on what um, what to look forward to this uh, this lacrosse season? Well, like I said, you know, we have a we have a fun we have some fun polls out right now. We're trying to get a, a coaches kind of like they do in college coaches preseason, uh, you know, poll for the top 10 teams in each division, as well as, uh, you know, kind of like a watch list, uh, you know, a preseason all state list. I asked coaches to rank teams, you know, one through 10 anonymous poll, uh, truly anonymous, like, um, you know, and then um, on the uh, for the watch list, I asked coaches to nominate six attackmen, nine midfielders, two LSM, two Fogos and two goalies. So basically making, you know, a, a, a first and second team all state to, you know, sort of players to watch at the beginning of the season there. And I basically what what I see a lot of coaches doing is they're they're nominating, uh, you know, just just players either from their own team that they they feel like are going to be good this year or uh, players that they they kind of remember from last season and not necessarily filling out all all right. those all those different positions there. Um, so I, I think if nothing else, it'll you know, I'm going to send it to you and some of the right. other the media out there. And I think it'll if nothing else, it'll it'll create some good conversations, going, maybe some storylines going into the season. Make my life a little bit easier there over the first couple of weeks. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm. I'm these are all things that I, I too, am uh, <laughs> going to try to track down. So maybe I don't have to, uh, maybe I don't have to stress about that quite as much. One can hope. We we <laughs> want to create, we want to create some content. Like you said, we want to get some things out there. I think going forward, you had talked about maybe, uh, maybe looking at some different storylines for the divisions there, things, right? uh, yep. things to watch, um, you know, from each division and, um, you know, I, I'm excited. I think there's a lot of good storylines this year. I think there, I think there's teams, you know, kind of like last year, I thought the, uh, the top 10 that, that, you know, you did on a week, the coaches poll, you did on a weekly basis. There was a good representation from, from all three divisions right. for, for a lot of the season there. So I, I think, um, you know, it's, it's neat to see that there, there are really strong programs throughout the state through all three divisions there. And I think, I think that's going to remain true again this year. I mean, I, you know, I hope people don't tend to forget, um, you know, we were sure we, you had BG and Exeter, I think one, two all season, but you know, Exeter played Portsmouth 
you know, early on in, in May, kind of in the middle of the year, and and was could have gone, could have gone either way. One, we were we were one goal away, I think, from Portsmouth being the number two team uh, in the state, and then that in that poll at some point, um, yep. you know, if they win that game, which I don't, I'm, I don't think there's ever been a Division two team that's gotten up that high. Um, I think it, at one point, what was the, what was, they were, there were only, did you, was it the top three? I was trying to think you had. Yeah, I think the top three had only ever been uh, BG, Exeter, Pinkerton, and Derryfield. Yeah, and, and, then, and, then, and then we Portsmouth had Port, and then we had there. Portsmouth yeah, come yeah. in. I think that was the, I think that was the stat that we had, we had pulled out last yeah, year. Yeah. That's, yeah, I, I'm hope, hopefully we get a little bit more of that um, this coming year. Definitely love to see. Definitely love to see chaos in the coaches' poll. Then uh, we'd love to love to see go back and see how many times you've had a different number one outside of uh, outside of BG outside of BG and Pinkerton. I think was there a week last year where we had Exeter? As uh, no, they were. Year? There was one week where received some um, votes. They were getting they were getting votes number one votes, um, or it was split like like let's say like six to five or something like I that. I think it was heading right into their first match. It was wasn't yeah it? yeah because I think yeah. that was. Um, Right after BG had lost to Staples, yes, and uh, and Exeter might have beaten Acton Boxborough, I think, coming off that that game. Yeah. So good storyline, good storylines to watch this season. I think there's some other things that we can dive into into each division. You know, uh, rivalry, rivalries, and and how those uh, some, how those may play out this season. Yeah, some and, big uh, out of state games this year too. Um, yeah, very good schedule, out of state games. For for division these division one teams um, is uh, is loaded. <laughs> uh, really excited for a lot of these games because um, a lot of them, um, you know, they're they're pretty usually split, you know, half and half uh, for the teams that play them. Um, but I feel like a lot of the really good ones are going to be in New Hampshire this year. Yeah, it's neat. Like I, I, I don't know what the circumstances were, but there are a lot of teams that have agreed to come up to New Hampshire this year. Um, so it's, it's pretty neat, uh, that, that we're going to get to see some of these great games in our own backyard. St. John prep is coming up here. Boston BC high is coming up here. Um, Kingham's coming up here. Teams that traditionally would not have traveled up here are, are making their way up. So, um, Yarmouth is coming down from Maine. They're playing Scarborough. Both of them are coming down to come, come play Concord. Um, so we, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get into that more, more as the, uh, the spring rolls around here, but Joe, it's always good. Always good to talk to you and, uh, and talk lacrosse, especially on a wintry, uh, a day that day that's kind <laughs> yeah. of like today. Yeah. Great to get the first one in. Um, always, uh, you know, get the, get the, uh, the mind in the right frame set for, for, uh, yeah. Right frame of mind for when we get started to do in, uh, preview work and, and all that kind of stuff. So, and we'll, uh, we'll have a couple of other, yeah, like uh, we'll we'll probably get into some of that stuff uh, starting next week. Um, looking ahead to what Division One might look like, and, and answering some questions there, some storylines, like you said. Um, so some good stuff to look forward to uh, coming up. Well, um, I think that'll probably do it for us tonight. Uh, sound about good to you? Sounds good, man. Looking right. forward to next week already. I think we're gonna go. We're gonna go uh, live on location at Dairyfield there, right before <laughs> before we take off. Before we take off for our trip to Syracuse. Right after. Right after we uh, we plow the field, right. It's already being done, Joe. Oh, we good. got a special. Okay, You're not putting me. We'll to leave. Work, we'll leave a patch for you to finish off, though. <laughs> Make me feel like a part of the team. That's right. All right. Well, he is uh, Dairyfield Boys Lacrosse Coach and AD Chris Hetler. Chris, thanks again for joining me. We'll see you next week. All right. I am Joe Marcellina. Everyone have a great week. We'll talk to you next week.